Good morning and Happy New Year. We're going to um, kick off a new series next week. So uh, I have the privilege of picking my own passage today and um, I'm excited about that. So we're going to read a, a, a story in the Gospel of John, um, which um, I just, uh, from my young life days, uh, speaking to high school kids, uh, we would spend a lot of time uh, in the Gospels just helping them get to know Jesus, how he uh, interacted with people and drew people to himself and healed people and brought people back to life. Uh, it's an amazing uh, thing to, to watch Jesus. And I pray that um, you too will, uh, as you grow in your faith, that you will get to know him in a deeper way. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. So I'm going to read this passage. Um, it's John chapter 5. Verses 1 to 17. And uh, if you have your own Bible with you, or it's, you may not be able to see it on the screen, but there's a verse missing. Uh, Verse 4 is not in your Bibles. It's probably in a footnote in your Bibles. Unless you have the original King James Version, then uh, then it will be there. And you're like, well, why why is there a verse missing? Well, um, uh, as we continue to uncover uh, old manuscripts, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls from the 1930s and 40s and so forth, we continue to, to uh, understand more about the scriptures. And uh, this particular verse was not found in the earliest manuscripts. Okay, so uh, the editors of uh, the translations of the Bibles uh, typically will um, put a footnote and say, hey, look, um, we recognize this verse was in some of the later manuscripts, but it wasn't in the earliest ones. So we're not really sure if it was in the Bible, but we're going to put a footnote in here um, because maybe it was. So um, the good thing about these verses, t- this verse today and the other verses that are like that, there are only three or four uh, in the entire Bible, is they have no um, significant meaning on any theological doctrine um, uh, of the scriptures or, or anything like that. So um, I know that's kind of a long, strange explanation, but uh, as you read your Bibles, I want you to be aware of these things. And uh, if you want to study more about textual criticism, uh, you're welcome to do that um, on your own. We're not going to, I don't have time to go into any, any farther today, but I'll, I'll just let you know that. So let's go ahead and read. I'm going to read this uh, for us. <clears throat> it's John chapter 5, verses 1 to 17. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going in, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Verse 12. They asked him, 
Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now. And I am working. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we do come to you this morning with um, extremely heavy hearts. Those are darkness. But the light of the gospel shines brightest in the darkness. And I pray this morning that as we continue to look at Jesus and who he is and what he's able to do, that we will... See that light shining bright into our hearts, into our emotions, in our minds. Lord, that we can see your goodness and your mercy in this life. So we look forward to watching you work, even when things are hard, because you are good. And you take care of us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, today is one of my favorite days of the year. I just just love New Year's Day. It's like a giant reset button, right? Um, And I get to push it. And I have permission to start over again, you know? Uh, To put the past behind me, all the stuff I didn't get done or the things I wanted to do were, were... you know, sort of have regrets about in this last year. I put it behind me. Um, it's the beginning of a new year. And this year, this year is going to be the best, right? I mean, this has got to be the best. Because I'm going to be my best. I'm going to be so much better. I'm going to get better at so many things. I'm, I'm going to get better at being a, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better granddad. Uh, I'm going to be a better coworker, uh, A better pastor. Uh, I'm going to be a better leader. I'm going to get better at, at praying. I'm going to get better at reading my Bible. And I'm going to get better at studying the scriptures. I'm going to get better at communicating the gospel. I'm going to podcast more. I'm going to get better at counseling and giving spiritual direction. I'm going to get better at starting new community groups. I'm going to get uh, better at, at fishing and playing pickleball. That's a lot, isn't it? too many resolutions, too many things. And the question is, what does better really look like? You know, is that the right thing that we need to start to try to achieve or strive for? We're going to talk about that. But today we're going to, we've, we've read a story about a man who had no idea that his life was going to get infinitely better, but maybe not in a way that he expected. And there are a lot of interesting things going on in this passage. It's really, really kind of wild. There's this, so so verse 4, which I didn't read, but I'll read it to you now. It's in the footnote of of your Bible. So remember there's, in this story, there's this, there's this um, uh, 
five, there's this area where these five uh, covered colonnades are, and um, all around, uh, there, there's this pool in the middle, and all around this pool are all these invalids, lame and blind, and people that are sick with disease, and, and the, the story goes, uh, verse 4 says, uh, I'm trying to read the really tiny print in my Bible, for an angel of the Lord, let's see, okay, so it says, um, right, uh, for an angel of the Lord would go down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. So that's why they were all there. Now, whether um, that actually happened or not, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I, I actually have been to the site. On sabbatical, I got to go to Jerusalem and go to the excavated site of the pool of Bethesda where, they've, uh, where this actually happened, which was really amazing for me. I don't know why. Just, you, you know Jesus was there, so um, it was really cool. Um, so you have this kind of this strange story going on, and, and there's, so there's this, this lure of an angel that stirs up the pool, and the first one in gets healed. There's also the fact that this poor man had been an invalid for 38 years. It's a long time, like his whole life. Or uh, that out of a multitude of sick people that were there, Jesus only heals one of them. It's kind of interesting. And I think also uh, just the fact that Jesus actually heals the man so he can walk is simply astounding. I don't know of anybody else that can do that. But I think one of the most interesting things that happens is the question that Jesus asks this man. And I've been thinking about it for the last two weeks. And the question is this. Do you want to be healed? He asks, he comes up to the man. He's been laying there for however long, years probably, invalid for 38 years. And Jesus asks him this question, do you want to be healed? I mean, isn't it obvious? But the man doesn't answer with yes. Did you notice that? He doesn't answer with yes. He answers it this way. He says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. So the man has a physical problem, which is obvious. But I think he has a heart problem, which is not so obvious. And the reason I think uh, this is because Jesus asked him that question, do you want to be healed? And outwardly, I would think, you know, of course, of course I want to be healed. But then why doesn't he come out and say, yes, I want to be healed? Why doesn't the, the invalid say that? I also wish we had a name for the guy because I'm going to refer to him as the invalid or the man the whole time. But anyway, we don't know his name. He was important to Jesus, though. Very important to Jesus. So is there something going on in this man's heart that is keeping him from wanting to be healed? We don't know for sure because the text itself doesn't say. But maybe... The invalid had gotten complacent with his situation. 
maybe he was satisfied with the life he had. I mean, if he was serious about getting into the water when it was stirred, then why didn't he figure out a better way to get down there? Right? I mean, rather than just waiting for someone to help him, maybe, maybe he knew if he was healed, he would, have a, he would have different expectations on him in his life. Well, you know, beyond my speculation, Jesus simply heals the man. And in a moment, his life is forever changed. Because it happens instantaneously. The words that come out of Jesus' mouth, think about this. The words that come out of Jesus' mouth have the power to replace torn ligaments with new and healthy ones, to create new cells and fractured bones, and to undo any genetic dispositions. The words that come out of Jesus' mouth have the power to heal physically. And Jesus heals this man completely and with a very specific reason. Jesus wants the man to be restored to holiness. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I thought the passage said he told him to get up and walk. He did. Well, then doesn't Jesus want him, his legs to be restored? Or maybe it was his back that was broken. I don't know. Don't tell us. Like, doesn't, isn't that the reason? Isn't that the reason Jesus heals the man so he'd be better physically? That's a reason. I don't think it's the reason, though. And here's how we know this. Because Jesus seeks out this particular invalid among all the multitude of sick people lying around in the pool. And Jesus makes a beeline to this one guy. And he's the only one that gets healed. And once Jesus heals the man, he slips away from the crowd, seemingly not to see the healed man again. He kind of disappears. The guy doesn't even know who Jesus is. All he knows is this guy said, hey, take up your mat and walk. And all of a sudden, he, he probably felt some rush in his body. I cannot imagine what it would feel like to where he could just stand up and start walking after 38 years. Jesus is not finished with the healing, though. Jesus meets the, the man in the temple later. He See, Jesus is not finished here with just by the pool. You see, as an invalid, the man would, would not have been allowed to enter the temple for worship because uncleanly, he was considered unclean. But now that he is healed, he's allowed to go in and it seems like this is the first thing he does. He goes to the temple and Jesus knows that's where he's going and that's where he goes too. So Jesus meets him at the temple and he says to him, again, these are interesting words that Jesus uses. See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Is Jesus threatening this guy? What in the world? Well, 
Jesus heals the man so that he will now live a life of holiness to the glory of God. That is the reason he's healed. Jesus is bringing something more than just physical healing to the man. Jesus is telling the man, it's time for you to start fighting sin, to strive to live in such a way that you glorify God with your heart and your actions. And I think that Jesus heals the man for holiness. I've created a new word. Look, can we throw that up there for a second? Holiness, okay? I created another word several years ago called gospel. So you'll have to research that on the website to find out what that's all about. So I like to do this from time to time. Holiness, okay? He's whole. It's when, you see, when Jesus comes in, he changes everything about us. It's the whole package. And it's for holiness with a capital H. Jesus wants the man to experience life to the fullest. And this involves his whole being, his heart, his legs, his actions, his mind. Jesus is interested in transforming this man's life into a life of holiness. He wants the man to be fully engaged in the life that God created for him. Fully engaged in it. So let's pretend for a minute that Jesus asks you the same question he asked the invalid. Do you want to be healed? Now, if you have a sickness, a disease, a tumor, skin cancer, some kind of ailment, then your answer is probably a resounding, yes, I want to be healed. I know you do. And you should. But Jesus is not just asking the question in regards to your physical condition. He's asking it in regards to, our, to your spiritual condition. And we have people in this room, in our congregation, that have significant physical limitations and ailments and infirmities. And I know you want to be well physically, and we pray for that. But do you know that while Jesus may wait to heal your physical condition, he's not waiting to heal your spiritual condition. Jesus wants to heal your soul. Do any of us want Jesus to change the way that we think, the way that we act, or the way that we speak? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. Do do you want Jesus to give you new desires, new emotions, new feelings? Do you want Jesus to restructure your whole entire life? See what I'm saying? Do you want to be healed? I'm not sure. I, we had uh, the last neighborhood we lived in, our next door neighbor, uh, beautiful family. Um, but, you know, th- they, weren't, they weren't churchgoers. And, you know, we, we, we just 
tried to care for them, invite to, them to our community group, and they came some. And, 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 and honestly, this is, this is part of where I get sometimes, unfortunately, as I was like, you know, if he becomes a Christian, like his Sunday morning's going to be really different. Like, he loves to play golf, he loves to fish and hunt, and this is, he ain't going to do that anymore. I mean, sometimes, maybe. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying you, anyway. All I'm saying is this is going to restructure one whole day of his life, uh, of the week. Restructure the whole thing. And I thought, that's, that's a lot to ask. <laughs> that's a lot. That's, that's going to be crazy if that happens. You know? And it was lack of faith on my part to really pursue it. Um, I mean, we did pursue it, but, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I just thought, Wow. And so I wonder if some of you are in the same boat, like, do I really want Jesus to restructure my whole life? I'm not sure. Life is kind of good. I kind of have a good structure on my own. I'm a little worried about what would happen if Jesus did that. I would hope, though, that if you know anything about yourself, deep down, if you're willing to really examine deep into your heart, then I hope that you would answer to the spiritual healing and wholeness that Jesus can bring you as a resounding yes. That's my hope. That you would want him to restructure your whole life. You know, um, do you want to be a better dad, husband, wife, friend, or coworker? Do you want to stop being a lazy Christian then get to know Jesus deeper. Get to know him on a deeper level. That's what's going to change those things. Yeah, you can read books on your marriage and parenting and getting healthy and all those things. And they're not, wrong, they're not bad. But deep down, it's Jesus that's going to have to change your heart in order for those things to be actually effective and transformative. Get to know Jesus on a deeper level. Maybe you realize, I just, you know, maybe some of you are like, I just need to be a better person. I feel that way sometimes, you know. I've got pride issues. I've got anger issues. I'm really good at being a jerk sometimes, you know. You know, and, and I know some of you, because <clears throat> I've seen it on social media, have already made some New Year's resolutions. You know, start that Bible reading plan. Get into a small group. Get, into, get involved in serving more here at the church or, or in your community. Uh, have a prayer journal. You know, and, and, and the truth is these are great resolutions and you should pursue them. But let me tell you how those things will help you and how they won't help you. Okay. So um, you may say, uh, you know, one of the things uh, health-wise would be, I need to drink more water, okay? It's a good, good thing. I need to drink more water. So then you say, I need a new water bottle, right? That's the first thing. I need, I need a cool new water bottle, right? This is not a cool new water bottle. This is just, a, you know, one off the shelf in the kitchen. But I need a new water bottle. Well... You will need a water bottle to enable you to drink the water, right? 
it, you know, well, it, it doesn't just, I mean, you know how water is. You can't, it's got to be in something, okay? But it's the water and its impact on your body that matters. It's the water in the bottle that matters. So you need a plan to grow spiritually. A journal would be really helpful. A Bible would be absolutely uh, contingent on you growing. Um, a small group to meet with, yes, or a Bible study to go to. But those things are only conduits for you to receive the grace of Jesus that will impact your heart. Okay? It's just a conduit. We need to get the, the water into our system. And let's just say the living water of Jesus into our system. Right? It's cool. If you go back to John chapter 4 and read that, he talks about that. It's kind of cool. Um, so, so the bottle helps with that. But the bottle by itself is not, going to, is not going to enable you to grow in Christ. It's the water that's in it. It's, it's the living water is the grace of Jesus telling you that you need a Savior and, and Jesus is it and drink him. And when that water comes into your body, it nourishes you. It replenishes you. It gives you life, literally. Right? Physical water gives us life. Spiritual living water gives us life, eternal life. The other thing, uh, you, you know, we, we use uh, this <clears throat> picture all the time. We've got three environments here at our church. Sunday morning, small group, and serving. And our whole uh, thing, so we want to make growing followers of Jesus, right? That's our, that's our mission and our vision. We want to make growing followers of Jesus. We want you to grow in your relationship with Christ. We want you to grow deeper. So we've created three environments, three places that we think will help you grow in your relationship. So Sunday morning, small groups, and serving. So, um, but those things in and of themselves are just places. It's, it's what happens through the, the, the spiritual nourishment that you get when you're in those places that come into your body, into your heart, and into your soul that make the difference, right? So uh, we, uh, I don't know how much, oh my goodness, I'm running out of time. Okay, um, th- those environments are crucial and they're critical, but it's what happens during those environments. It's what happens during the worship service on Sunday morning. When you engage with the, with the songs and the hymns that we sing. When you, when you actually allow yourself and your heart and your mind to, to pray the prayers. To be silent before the Lord. We're going to take communion. You need to engage with that spiritually. Speak with God. You need to actually speak encouraging words uh, in your Bible study, in your small group. Speak those words of encouragement. Engage, receive the words of encouragement from other people. Right? When you serve, you're using the gifts that God's given you that, that, that has a spiritual impact on your life. So the only way to have significant, deep, lasting change in those areas and in any area of your life is to get to know Jesus in a deeper way. It's not just about getting better. 
And the reason getting to know Jesus deeper works is because he is God. He is the creator. And any healing, any miracle can only be attributed to him. Nobody has ever, nobody that has ever lived, think about this, nobody that has ever lived was able to do the things that Jesus did. That's why we say Jesus is the only way. Nobody's been able to do what Jesus did, including you and me. We can't fix ourselves. So if someone asks you to help them with something, you should point them to Jesus. If you come to us as pastors, we're going to point you to Jesus. If you head down to the counseling center here at Wellspring, they're going to point you to Jesus. He's the only agent of change. So, yes, today is my favorite day of the year, but really every day is a new day. Every day we can start over, start fresh. Every day has the possibility of change and growth and healing because Jesus works every day. Did you pick that up in the passage? They're so worried about Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath. Jesus says, look, I care about the Sabbath because I created it, but don't use it to, uh, as a weapon. I'm working on the Sabbath, Jesus says. He's working in your life every day, every moment of every day. The loudest cheerleader that you have in your life is Jesus. The wisest counselor that you have is Jesus. The most skillful physician that you have is Jesus. And the only one who can save your soul is Jesus. So let's start the new year off right by putting all our hope and our faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for being here. We thank you for healing this man. We thank you that you healed his body, his legs and his back or whatever was keeping him as an invalid for so long. But Lord, even more than that, we, th- we thank you that you brought his life to spiritual wholeness. You brought him back into a relationship with the Father through yourself. Lord, I pray that we, we have a desire a burning desire to be healed by your spirit, by the power of this gospel of good news. Lord, um, as we look to, to, to try to get better, help us to understand that it's not necessarily about getting better at things, it's about going deeper with you, allowing you to change us from the inside out and giving us a new life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.